Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, well, well. God is amazingly good, is he not? What are we going to talk about today? Let's see. I do not have a keynote or a PowerPoint today. I've been released from my prison for the day. It boxes me in. But I have a word, and I'm, I'm getting anxious to see how this comes about today. I've had so many different thoughts all week about what to do. And, you know, um, the new year is a fun time. How about it? How many of you are making resolutions already? How many of you made resolutions? A few of you. How many of you plan on keeping them? How many of you know there's going to be some you make that you're not going to keep? Uh-huh. Like, what are you waving your hand about? Are you going to do that thing again? Oh, you're sick. She's thinking about building another marathon. Like once, once is like, okay, I understand. I mean, you had a momentary lapse of judgment. Once you've done it, you're going to do it again. You're really just messed up. But I, I'm going to make one. I'm going to make one. Maybe, maybe I'll make one. I'll preach 20 minutes a Sunday. <laughs> That's not happening, is it? But it is that kind of year, isn't it? That, that really, there is something about New Year's that just causes you to say, you know what, this year's going to be better. This year's going to be different. How, how, many want, how many of you want a great year, right? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, how, how can we make that happen? You know, it's going to be funny. This, this month, you are going to see a lot of commercials on television that are going to tell you how you can make this year different. You're going to see all kinds of gizmos, gadgets. You're going to be all kinds of services. All these things are going to be put in front of you that if you do this and you buy that, it's going to make your year different. Well, I want to talk to you for a few moments. I'm going to give you a couple of words this morning. I'm going to give you a couple of words this morning. I'm not going to be real long. Let's see, what time is it? 10.56, the ball doesn't drop till midnight. I got lots of time, all right? And, and, and so th- there's a couple of words, and I don't even exactly know how to title this today, but there's a couple of words that I want to kind of bring out today that I promise you that I guarantee will absolutely bring you a great year. There, there's, a, that'll bring you a better year that will make your life better. How many of you want your life to be better? That doesn't mean it's not good. How many know good? And better, how many know better is okay? It's not always going from bad to good. Sometimes it's going from good to better. I've often told you in life, the hardest decision you ever make is not between good and bad. The hardest decision you make in life is between good and best, right? Good and bad, that's pretty easy to figure out. Like, I don't know, okay. But good and best, best always requires a little bit more. But I want to talk to you, there's a few words. And so I'm going to take you to a scripture and it's a kind of, you're going to say, where is he going with this today? All right. And, and here's the scripture I want to take you to. It's found in Matthew chapter four. I'm going to read it to you. And this is it. One short little scripture, statement, proclamation, declaration. Jesus said this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. Jesus came. Now we did a whole series on Jesus as the answer, God's answer, that Jesus was God's answer to sin. Praise God. That Jesus was God's answer to the adversary who stood opposed to us and stood opposed to him. That Jesus was the answer to death. I mean, no, we don't have to fear death today because he conquered death. And yet last week we talked about how Jesus was the answer to eternal life, right? That he was the answer to eternal life. And when does eternal life begin? The moment I believe. 
doesn't begin after I die. It begins, the Bible is very clear on it, that it begins the moment I believe in what Jesus did. Uh, so I'm going to read this scripture. I believe this is an absolute incredible scripture. Now, instantly, I know what happens in people's minds, that sometimes this is what happens. You get this connotation, repent or you're going to burn. How many remember those messages? Hmm? Repent or perish. Repent, you wretched, vile, evil heathen. I'm just happy to be looking your way. I really didn't mean you. That you, you've heard, how many of you have heard those hellfire and brimstone messages that scare you away from hell and into heaven? And I'm not saying there's not truth in those, so don't get me wrong for a moment. But that's not what Jesus was saying. All right. Jesus says, repent. What does that word mean? Let's, let's start with that. Let's start with what does this word literally mean? Does it mean I feel anguish for my sin? Partly. But the word means this, to change one's mind. Let me ask you a question. How many of your wives have ever repented? <laughs> how, many, how many of you have ever repented? How many of you have changed your mind? Don't they say there should be a saying that it was a woman's prerogative to change your mind? Let me tell you something. In my house, I, I have to admit, I'm a change of mind person a lot. Like I can go with the wind in a heartbeat. All right. But it literally means to change the mind. Right? It, it means change the mind, or it means change the mind for better, to amend with an abhorrence for one's past sins. And so Jesus is calling, he's making a proclamation, his message, his preaching. The Bible says he preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's calling for the people to change their mind. He's calling for them to change their thinking. How many know if you change your thinking, you'll change your behavior? If you change your thinking, you'll change how you act. If you change your thinking, we'll be a different husband some days. Come on. If we change our thinking, we'll be a different boss. If we change our thinking, we can be a different employee. If we change our thinking, we can be different sons and daughters. We change our thinking, it can change everything. It changes behavior because your behavior is most often dictated by a thought process in your life. And Jesus comes along and he begins to preach. He says, repent, change your mind, change the way that you think. He was inviting them to change their minds about themselves, about him, about God, about the religion and relationship with him, to change their mind. The idea was to get them to see they were in need of a change of their mind. But see, what is it that's going to cause me to have a change in mind? Listen, I only decided in my life at times to exercise and eat healthy because something caused me to change the way that I thought, which then started to change my actions. It's called the mirror. <laughs> right? Whenever you look in your bathroom mirror and say, when did somebody put one of those ones out of the amusement park in my bathroom? <laughs> okay? Like, they, they brought that wide-angle one in, okay? That, that there was something that caused me to have a change of mind, which caused me to have a change of action. All right? And, and so Jesus says, repent. Well, why do I need to repent? What am I repenting of? What am I repenting for? What's the basis? What's the foundation of this repentance? And then he says it. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. He's inviting them to change their mind. And the basis of that changing of mind was he's saying the kingdom of heaven is here at hand. In Mark, it says it a little bit differently. And I'll show that to you in a little bit. Okay. So what he's doing is he's saying, listen to me, change your mind because what I'm offering you is better than what you got. What I'm offering you is better than what you've had. What I'm offering you is something far better than you've ever encountered. Guess what you're going to see this month, starting like next week, right? This week, right? It's a new year. And this is what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of television commercials with skinny, ripped, fit individuals going to a gym. Amen. Come on. I mean, know what I'm talking about. You're going to see skinny and fit people eating all these healthy foods, and they're going to be advertising these shakes, and they're going to be advertising these meals, and, and Weight Watchers is going to, get a, they're going to get a bump in business this month, and they're going to show all this stuff on television, and you're going to see it, and you're going to see those skipped, rinny, skipped ripped, skinny, ripped people. Wow. <laughs> skipped, rinny people, okay? You're going to see those ripped, skinny people on TV, and you're going to say, I want to be like that. Good luck. And then all of a sudden you're going to buy a gym, you're going to buy a gym membership, right? You're going to use it for at least two months. You're going down to Dick's Boarding Good. You're going to buy, you're going to buy an elliptical and you're going to buy a treadmill and man, they make good clothes hangers. You're going to put a hoodie right on those suckers, right? You get the space saver kind, so they fold up. They won't take as much room. You can do all, you're going you're to be tempted to do this because they're showing you something that you, they'll show you what is deemed to be better so that you may change your mind about your physical condition and thereby buy their product. They're trying to show you what they're saying is better so that you change your thinking. Jesus says, repent because something better is at hand. Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Notice he didn't say repent because you're going to burn in hell if you don't. He didn't say repent because you're a wicked, wretched, no good heathen. Even though, how many know, we were wicked, wicked, wretched, no good heathens without him. His message was simple, yet it was profound. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. In Mark, it reads like this. After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Gospel means what? Good news. And said, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I've told you this before. I've preached it before. I'll say it again. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God. The gospel is not the good news of Calvary. It is the good news of the kingdom of God. Calvary is where Jesus paid the price for me to step into the kingdom of God. All right. It was always the good news of the kingdom. Okay. The basis for this repentance that Jesus commanded was the kingdom. The kingdom is the catalyst. Why? Why is the kingdom the catalyst for repentance? Because it is the goodness and the righteousness of the kingdom of God that is a prism through which man can see himself. Listen to me for a moment. Listen, listen, listen. Without the absolute perfection of the king and his kingdom, man has nothing absolute by which he can measure his sin. There's only one absolute that I can measure my sin and measure myself against. And it's Jesus, who's the king, and his kingdom. Because how many know he is perfect and his kingdom is perfect? It's the only absolute by which I can measure myself. 
the kingdom of God and all of its goodness causes men to change their mind about their current situation, current life. Think about this. Without the kingdom of God as the standard for men to measure themselves against us, we then have to move to other measures such as measuring ourselves against other men. Listen to me. Some days I feel pretty good. Like if you put a picture up there right now of some people. See, I don't have it, but I'm sorry. I'll put a picture up there. Let's put, let's put Hitler up there. Compared to Hitler, I'm feeling pretty righteous. How many, think I'm be- How many think I might be a little better than Hitler? Some of you are really rough, I got to tell you. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, okay. And compared to Jeffrey Dahmer, pretty good, right? Ted Bundy. Like, like compared to, I'm, I'm, I'm good. But then I started putting some pictures of some other people up there. I told you one time, like, like there's been times where I have got to go on trips with, with, with Dick Weber. And I go, with Dick Weber, I walk away feeling like I'm not even saved. He's such a good man. He's such a gentle man. He's such a, he's such a, he's such a great man. Like, I, we, used to drive, we used to ride on the bus together. We would ride the bus around the city, right? And I love kids. Kids are awesome. And we're driving the bus to pick up kids to come to church. I'm on a schedule, right? We got to get the kids to church, okay? Got to get the kids to church. I got to go preach. I got to get done preaching on Wednesday night and get back in the bus, all right? We're going through the, we're going through the city and stopping the kid. Beep, beep. Nobody's coming. Dick gets the phone out. He calls the house. Nobody's answering. Good enough for me. Let's go. Oh, no, Dick has to go and knock on the door now, okay? No offense, Dick, but Dick doesn't move the fastest, okay? Just, okay. No offense, I'm just, I'm, just making, I'm just making an observation, all right? And so Dick gets out of the bus, he ambles on over to the door, knocks on the door, waits, still nobody comes. Sometimes they come, sometimes they don't. I'm sitting there going... Jesus, you can come back by the time we're done with this. But he's so good. He's so nice. He's so gentle. He saw this. And, I, and he just doesn't want this kid to miss tonight's service. And I feel like a heathen. Right? And then, and then, and then there's times where maybe I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Like, you know, pretty righteous today. And then I get a glimpse of Jesus. Ouch. Ouch. Not feeling so good right now. You see, what happens is when I don't use the king or the kingdom, king and the kingdom to measure myself, I want to measure myself against others. And the others are not the absolute by which I measure myself. They are not the standard. Jesus is the standard and the kingdom is the standard. All of a sudden, when I use people, I end up like the Pharisee that said this. I thank you, God, that I am not like that publican. Come on. I thank you, God. That I'm not like that tax collector. I pray this many times a day, and I do this, and I do that. And all of a sudden, his standard of his righteousness became that man and not God. And when you make man your standard, you're going to shortchange yourself, think more of yourself than you should, and you're going to miss the kingdom of God. Okay? (laughs) Because, come on, let's be honest. We've all done it. Come on. We've all done it. We've all measured ourselves against somebody and either found ourselves superior or wanting, right? 
And both of those are tragic in our lives. Because listen to me. I've never been called to meet your standard. I've been called to meet his standard. I've never been called to be you. I've never been called to be Peter. Peter's never been called to be me. We've both been called to be the image of Christ. And all of a sudden, when I begin to measure myself against you and you got more than I got, all of a sudden I become jealous of you and I become insecure in my heart. And all of a sudden I start really actually despising you. Just today. Come on. All of a sudden I resent you. All of a sudden I have bitterness and anger and all these stuff that comes up and insecurity. Legalism gets its roots in what people do that think you need to measure up to what they're doing. It doesn't get it from the kingdom. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom. It's here. It's good. It's righteous. Get a glimpse of it. Get a picture of it. All right? The, the law of God was a standard that was perfect, yet men could not keep that law. Therefore, they were condemned by the very thing that measured them. The kingdom of God becomes the standard by which man measures his own goodness. The kingdom of God becomes that which I measure my own works. The kingdom of God became the standard by which men sees him sin. Listen to me. The goodness of God and the goodness of his kingdom is the very thing that causes men to change their minds in regards to themselves. I see the goodness. I see that which is good. All right. I thought I was right until I saw him. I thought I was right until I got a glimpse of his kingdom. Nicodemus thought he was right until he had an encounter with Jesus. Zacchaeus thought he was doing okay and he was right even in his sin until he had an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter with Jesus that causes us to be able to see ourselves and measure ourselves accurately. I thought my path was right until I saw the kingdom and the kingdom caused me to change my mind and see my sin in light of the kingdom. Now I abhor it and I want to leave it. Think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you know the story. Little short dude climbed up in a tree, wanted to see Jesus. Jesus sees him. He's the lying, cheating tax collector. He's ripped people off. He's cheated people. Jesus says, hey, come on down, you little short guy. I'm coming to your house to eat. Coming to have dinner with you. We know what the religious people did. He stole from people. Jesus has an encounter. He sees the king. He sees the kingdom. You see, because you cannot separate the king and the kingdom. If you see the kingdom, you see the king. If you see the king, you see the kingdom. You can't separate the two. He encountered the goodness of God in the form of Jesus. And what did he do? He changed his mind about his present condition. He changed his mind about his present path. He says, oh my goodness, in light of who you are, in light of your goodness, in light of your love, in light of all that I see in you that is good, I'm changing my mind about who I am and what I've been doing. He changed his mind that then changed his actions. Because what did he say? He said, look, look, right here, right now. If I have cheated, if, you've been cheating for years, pal. Kind of like when you say to somebody, if I offended you, shut up, you knew you offended him. Come on. If I offended you, you know you offended him. Go ask forgiveness. <laughs> or you can do it like this. Hey, Peter, man, really, listen. Listen, if I offended you, 
I'm in too. All right. <laughs> Listen. And so now Zacchaeus says, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to give back more than I stole. I'm going to give to the poor. All of a sudden, he has an encounter with the kingdom of God. He has a change of thinking, which now changes his behavior because of the goodness of the kingdom. You see, now Zacchaeus was not measuring himself against other people. He wasn't measuring himself against the Pharisees, who he knew were crooked too. He wasn't measuring himself against the church-going crowd. He wasn't measuring himself against his other tax collector friends. He had a standard that was in front of him that was absolutely good and absolutely perfect. And he said, I got to change. Based on who I see, based on what I see, I've got to change my mind. Peter was a fisherman. Has an encounter with Jesus, right? Remember the miraculous catch of fish. Remember? And Peter, this fisherman who drew up a good Jewish boy, has an encounter with the Messiah. And he looks at him and he says, what? Go away from me. I'm a wretched man. I know who I am in light of who you are. I see who you are. I know who you are. Now I know who I am. Do you want to know who you are? Do you really want to know who you are? Find out who Jesus is and you'll know who you are. Thief on the cross. Thief on the cross. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? He's lived a life that's brought him to a place of paying the price for his decisions and his actions in the path. And one's mocking him. And the other one's like, dude, knock it off. We belong to, we deserve to be here. He's done nothing wrong. He knew who he was in light of who Jesus was beside him. He had a revelation of Jesus. And that revelation of Jesus caused a proclamation to come out of his mouth. Come on, you want to know who you are? You'll find out who you are when you find out who he is in light of his kingdom. Jesus is saying, look, behold, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. See it. See its beauty. See its goodness. See its majesty. See it as the antithesis to the world. See it. See it as the absolute standard by which you can measure yourself and change your mind. And change your thinking. See it as the antithesis of your life and the path you've chosen. See that and repent. Listen to me this morning. I want to tell you why you need to repent. And I'm not talking about, come on, there's a lot of things we can repent of this morning. How many know this morning we don't need to repent just of those deep, dark, secret sins that nobody knows about? How many know we all got a few of those? Sometimes we need to repent of our religious attitudes. Sometimes we need to change our thinking and our religious attitudes. And why do we change the thinking and our religious attitudes? Because we got a glimpse of the kingdom. How many know everything we do in the church isn't of the kingdom? <laughs> Uh-oh. And let me say this. This has nothing to do with what I'm preaching. But let me say this. I've been reading. I've been, I talked to Peter and Troy about this the other day. I've been watching a lot of people recently. And, and, and preachers and would-be preachers. And, and they're really ripping on the church. 
Not the, our church individually, the church. I mean, just our church is this and the church is that. The church is this and the church is that. Bah, 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 bah. Let me tell you something. And, and, and it's kind of funny. Part of the reason they're doing it is because they're trying to build the body of Christ up and, and promote God. You don't need to tear down his church to promote him. You don't need a negative to produce a positive. Come on. You don't need a negative to produce a positive. You can promote God, promote discipleship, promote whatever it is you're trying to promote. You can build the body without tearing down the church. It's kind of like, okay, I don't know how I'm getting on this, but I'm going to, going down this road. We'll come back. This is a detour. It's like a road trip with Jim. Where are we going? Bedford, by way of State College? Yes, okay. It's kind of like this. You stand up, men, particularly, get this. You're on your wedding day, and you're standing at the front of the church. Your pastor's there, your best man, your other attendants. You haven't seen her all day. They've kept you from her all day. As you know, and she appears, whoa, baby. And you can't wait to lay eyes on her. And you can't wait to that moment. And that moment comes and the music plays and there she comes with dad. And you are just like, yeah, man, this is what I signed up for. Yeah, she is absolutely beautiful, charming, beautiful. And you're just enraptured, right, guys? (sighs) You guys need to repent. Like, you should have been shouting me on before I got to that point. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Miller, I saw the wedding picture, dude. She, you listen, you married up. <laughs> and you're like, man, oh, man, you were just so, and it's like, you can't wait. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, something starts happening. You're watching the crowd, your guests, who you invited to share in this special day. And all of a sudden, these guests, they're looking, and they're pointing, and they're laughing. Oh, look at her complexion. Oh, her nose is out of proportion to her face. Oh. She's overweight. Look at her hair. And you're like, and so you turn to your best men and your attendants because you're now, you're angry. You're like, you're angry and you're disheartened and you're frustrated. And you turn to them for help. To your horror, they have joined in. And then you say, okay, my pastor got my back. And you look at your pastor and he's doing the same. How would you feel? The guy that you called to join the two of you together in ceremony is mocking and critiquing and criticizing and pointing out all the flaws of your bride. And your men that you've called to stand beside you. How would it make you feel? You already knew about these flaws. You're not oblivious. But her perfection was not the basis of your love. 
Perfect love was the basis of your love. And I share that to say, I wonder how God feels when his people are constantly doing this to his bride. He knows about her warts. He knows about her flaws. He knows about those things. That's why the Bible says he's perfecting her and he's making her beautiful. And he's going to present her to himself, pure and spotless. In other words, get your mouth off his bride. Now take that clip and put it out there, Troy. No, don't do that. Get your mouth off her bride, his bride. He knows what she is. And he's working and he's making her beautiful. How did I get there? I have no idea. (laughs) All I know is somebody needed to hear it. Whether it be in this room or on TV or on Facebook. But I'm telling you, there are going to be a lot of people held accountable for what they're saying about his bride. You talk about my bride, it's fighting words. So we need to repent. There's a lot of people who need to repent on how they've been talking about his bride. It's the beauty of the kingdom that calls me to changing my mind, which then changes my behavior. But there's a second word that I got to share with you because see, what happens is all of a sudden I, I, I see the kingdom, I see the king, and, and Jesus said, repent because it's in hand. See it in all of its beauty. See it in all of its glory. Let it be the thing that draws you. Because how many know the Bible clearly says the loving kindness of God draws me to repentance. His goodness, his love draws me to repentance. Not fear. Fear causes me to run away from people. The message of Jesus brings me to a place of repentance. I see him. I see his kingdom. I see myself in the mirror of the absolute standard. Now I change my mind and I want to run towards him. Where does it take me? It takes me to another thing that has to happen. What does Jesus want me to do at this point? Yeah, I want to repent, but then I got to, there's another word that we often hear. He wants, what does Jesus want from me? He wants me to come into agreement with him about our sin. He wants me to come into agreement on my stuff. Why? Because when you change your mind, which is repentance, you've got to come to another place, which is confession. And how many know what confession is? It's not going to the Catholic priest and telling him the 470 things you did last week. I grew up Catholic till 12 or 13. I can't remember. I went to confession in the confessional. I lied in the confessional. I had no idea what I did wrong. I made it up. Trust me, it covered it. I'm not kidding. I don't know. Who keeps a list? Oh, let me pull out my list. Okay. Okay. This is what I did. Okay. I oh. Yes, oh, there, there's my, come on. You set me up to walk into this place to give this litany of things that I have no idea if I did or if I didn't do, and I made all this stuff up. That is not confession. God already knows what you did. You don't need to go to God and tell him what you did. What you need to do is what confession means, which is come into agreement with God that it is sin. That's what confession means. It means to, do, it means to say the same thing as another. And the same thing that we're saying the other is God. That I'm saying the same thing about this that God is saying. How many know if you're saying the same thing about something that God is, you're in pretty good company? Come on. What, so here's the question. What does God say about your current whatever? 
Let's put some, let's, let's just get, let's, it's the new year. It's the end of the year. You don't have to go to work tomorrow, some of you. What does God say about your bitterness? What does God say about your jealousy? What does God say about your gossip? What does God say about your whatever? You fill in the blank. What does God say? Can you come into agreement with God? The greatest place you'll ever be in your life is when you come into a place of agreement with God. Why? Let me say, it means to not deny. It means to declare. We'll talk about that in a moment. It means to profess oneself. It means to praise. It means to celebrate. It means to concede. It means to come into agreement. The failure of the Pharisees, listen to me for a moment. The failure of the religious crew in Jesus' day was their inability to see the kingdom that Jesus came and proclaimed and demonstrated. They did not believe his words. They could not believe his message. They could not come into agreement with him. That was the greatest tragedy of the religious crowd. They could not bring themselves to a place of repentance. They could not bring themselves into a place of agreement. But for those of us who change our mind and confess, here's what the Bible says. That when I confess and I agree with God that my path has been wrong, here's the great news. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive me. I like being forgiven. But I, how many of you like being forgiven? How many of you forgive their children, your children? Right? How many know it's easier to forgive them when they come into agreement with you? <laughs> come on. Right? Jesus comes to reveal this kingdom to the kingdom of men. When men and women saw this kingdom, they were brought to a place of decision. And I want to say to you today that this is 2017 going on 2018. And today could be a place of decision where you have to see something that you have never saw before. That Jesus needs to become the standard by which you measure yourself and stop doing it against other people. Stop doing it against things. Stop doing it according to our religious code. Stop doing it. Redo it against the man Jesus. Do it against the kingdom the beauty of the kingdom, and allow it to draw you in, allow it to call you, allow it to make you change your mind and then bring you to a place of confession and say, you know what? God, you're right. I come into agreement. I come into agreement with you. I promise you it will change your year. When I concede that my way was wrong, when I declare my thinking and my actions and my behavior are wrong, when I admit to my guilt that came from the revelation of the kingdom of God that illuminated my sin. Confession then brings me to a place of being forgiven by God. Confession is me coming into agreement with God that brings me the forgiveness of God. If I confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. Now, here's the good news. So now, Jesus, listen to me. And I, I know I say this a, a lot. I keep saying it. I gotta keep saying it. Because I just, I, 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 I don't want to say we got it wrong. But the good news was always the good news of the kingdom. The gospel was always about a message of a kingdom, not of this world. This grand and glorious, beautiful, perfect, sinless kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim. He preached it. He demonstrated it when he did miracles. 
Do you know the miracles were a demonstration of Jesus, of the kingdom of God? He says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's a demonstration of the power of the kingdom. Let me say, let me say this to you. The problem with that is this. Watch this for a moment. Let me read you a scripture. In verse 20 of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus began to denounce cities. Uh-oh. How many know you don't want your city denounced by Jesus? Right? It begins to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done. Hmm. Because they did not repent. Do you know why we need the power of God today? The power of God in miracles will cause people to see the kingdom and it will cause them to change their mind about God. We have a whole group of people today in the church world trying to explain away miracles. Why? When Jesus did miracles, it was to display the power of God that would bring people to a changing of their mind concerning him. Repentance. That's what he says. He said, because they did not repent. He did miracles in their midst and they would not change their mind about him. He said, woe to Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago. Mm. Jesus, when I say that, Jesus came and proclaimed out of his mouth, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he demonstrated the kingdom with signs and wonders and miracles that were to bring men to a place of repentance where they would change their mind in regards to who he was, what his kingdom was, and bring them to a place of changing their mind. We need to have our minds changed. We need to repent of some things. I'm not talking, I'm not talking just about sin, although how many know that's a good place to start? How many know we need, some of us need to, some of us in this room need to repent of religion. Some of us need to repent of a lot of garbage that's got a form of godliness but denies the power of God. You see, this good news brings me to a place of repentance where I change my mind in regards to me, my thinking, my mind, my actions, my path, and everything about me. It brings me to a place where I, I have that measurement of an absolute standard. Man, I, I, I need an absolute standard. As good a man as George Bell is, he's not my absolute standard. <laughs> right? As good a man as Dick Weber is, He's not my standard by which I measure myself. As wretched of a man as a Hitler might have been, he cannot be the standard by which I measure myself. The kingdom and the king is the standard by which I can accurately assess who I am. And God, and I, and I do that, and I come into confession, and now it brings me to a place. Do you understand what it does? He brings me to that place of forgiveness. And how is it that God could forgive my sins when sin demanded a payment, when sin demanded blood, when sin demanded the price be paid? Because how many know it's at that point that we accept what Jesus did on Calvary's cross? It's kind of like how many know I can't go 
out here today after service, and I cannot eat at Burger King and the Allegro at the same time. I got to make a choice. And my mind might have been set on Burger King, but I'm going to change my mind because I'm thinking, oh man, I'm not changing it because of the negativity of Burger King. I'm changing it because I really like the Allegro. And I'm thinking about the wedding soup. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking about the little veal meatballs. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's getting better. And I'm thinking about the salad. Oh, it's going to be so much better than a double cheeseburger from Burger King. It's going to be so much. I'm going to change my mind because it's going to be so good. And so I repent and I change my mind and I head to the Allegro and I get there and I find out the best news is it's paid for. Calvary paid for me to step into the kingdom of God. The price is paid. The debt is paid. The bill has been paid. And now, the rest of my life, I do not operate as a person trying to get in. I now live as a child of God, a son of God, a forgiven son of God, not trying to get forgiveness. I have been forgiven. Do you understand that now it changes the position from which I live? You're a son of God. You're a member of God's household. You're a citizen. Your citizenship is not of this world. And now you begin to live in this world from the culture of that kingdom. Because something happened. Something happened. I I heard this message. I saw this kingdom. I saw this king. I saw his goodness. I said, I want that. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my thinking. I'm coming into confession and agreement with you, God. And I step into this. I step into this. And all of a sudden, something else begins to happen. All of a sudden, how many of that change that you long for begins to take place and continues to take place? Because now the Bible says I am something. The Bible says what? That I'm now in Christ. How many know in Christ is a beautiful place to be? Because now I'm in Christ and there's so much that comes out of being in him. And I'm in Christ. And now the Bible says what? I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Come on. Everybody likes new stuff, right? The old has passed away. The new has come. From this point in my life, I live differently. I live from a position, not a condition. My position is a son. My position is a citizen. My position is totally different. Listen to me this morning. I want you to live a 2018 different than 2017 because somewhere you're getting a glimpse of the king in the kingdom that says, I can measure myself. I have a standard. And I've been using some faulty standards. Come on, Troy. We got to get this done before the ball drops. We should have had a ball for the end of the message. We could all count it down. You know what you need? I'm going to buy you a pair of black and white checkered vans to go with those collar, that, that shirt. You know what I'm talking about? That would, that would really look, I'm going to buy you a pair of those. I grew up with three sisters. What can I say? Let me ask you a question. What has been the standard? Or who has been the standard? 
by which you have been measuring yourself. If it's not Jesus and it's not his kingdom, I will promise you two things have happened in your life. One is you've always found yourself operating out of a position of lack, a place of lack, because you don't feel that you measure up to that standard that you have raised up there so much. Two, it will also cause you to live in a position of superiority to those you feel better than. Yeah, I'm a little better than that person. The Bible says all of our stuff, all of our righteousness has filthy rags. There's not one that has not sinned. For all have fallen, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Come on. We like to think, because man, it sure does seem simple to make a grading scale for sin, doesn't it? Come on, come on, come on, Peter, come on. Murder's got to be, murder, murder has to be worse than slander. I mean, murder has to be worse than jealousy. I mean, in our human mind, we put it like, it has to be, right? Jesus came and preached a message. said, look, let me show you the beauty of the kingdom. You're going to see the beauty of the kingdom in me. You're going to see the awesomeness of the kingdom in me. All the goodness and all the righteousness of the kingdom will show yours to be as filthy rags. Change the way you think. Change the way you think based upon its goodness. Agree with me. Come into agreement with me. And as you come into agreement with me, then you're in me. And in me, in me, come on. How many know in Christ is the greatest place to be? In him, we live and move and have our being. In him, we live and move and have our being. Not in church, we live and move and have our being. Not in, in our finances, we live and move and have our being. It, not in my accomplishments, we live and move and have our being. In him we live, we move, and have our being. And then you live in this constant state of being molded and shaped and changed. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7 all about this struggle that he goes through. I'll make him relate to Romans chapter 7. Remember these words of Romans 7? How many, how many can relate with that? I mean, man, I read that and go, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yep, yep, I understand it. Remember those words? Paul says things like this. He said, for what I'm doing, I don't understand. For what I'm not practicing, I would like to do. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. How many have ever done things you hate? Oh, yeah. Right? He said, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I don't do, but I practice the very evil that I don't want. Oh my goodness, I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess. But later on, he says, I find this principle at work, that evil is present in me. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You get a glimpse of Jesus, you'll recognize evil in you. 
None of us like to think there's any evil in us. Get a glimpse of Jesus. Look into the mirror who's Jesus and you'll see something. Uh, the present, evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur that the law of God and the inner man, but in the members of my body, they wage war against the law of my mind. And I'm a prisoner. Wretched man, wretched man. I'm a wretched man, Paul said. Who's going to set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ in him I am free in him I am free in him I have freedom but then it follows it up in Romans chapter 8 now we live the life of Romans chapter 8 which is what and now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because how many know Romans chapter 8 is all about life by the Spirit? Now I live a different way. I don't live according to the flesh. I don't live according to the standards of the flesh. I live according to the standards of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is constantly renewing me, putting things to death, bringing things to life, changing me, molding me. I'm a new creation. The old is going and dwindling away. I'm going to be something better. I hope. Am I making sense this morning? Because I have no idea if I am. But I want to leave you with this. And that's the second closing. On New Year's, I only do three. Don't think it's going to be a habit. We need to catch a glimpse. We need to catch a glimpse. Don't repent because you're afraid of hell. Repent. Repent because of what you see beauty of the king and the kingdom. I've been to places in the world. Some places I ain't going back. Didn't like it. I don't have a burning desire to go back to India anytime soon. At least to that part of India. But I can go back to Majorca. I can go to Majorca tomorrow. I can go to Majorca, Spain tomorrow. The beauty of it draws me in. The beauty of it just says, come on, man, come visit. Oh yeah, I'm there. The beauty of it. Listen to me. The beauty of God, the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of the kingdom is saying, come on, change your mind. Come on, change your mind so you can encounter it. Change your mind so you can be part of it. Change your mind. Come on. And it will change your life. It will change your life. You see, because all of a sudden it causes you to change your mind. And now you say, okay, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do some of this stuff. And I can't think this way anymore because this is not thinking that is in agreement with heaven. I can't be jealous because there's no jealousy in heaven. I can't be envious because there's no envy in heaven. I can't lie because I, I live now according to the kingdom of heaven. I, 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 don't, I, I don't steal because there's no stealing in heaven. <laughs> Come on. I'm not going to lie because there's no lying in heaven think about these you're living now from the culture of heaven and it will totally transform your life now but here's the deal I'm not doing these things by a work of the flesh I'm now doing them by the spirit of God who lives in me get sucked in to the kingdom get sucked in by the king 
Okay. Third closing. Father, this is my prayer this morning. This is my prayer. That 2018 would be a year that all in this house would be able to catch a glimpse of the good news of the kingdom of God. That that in this house that we would move from inabsolute standards of our, in our life to the kingdom and the king being the absolute standard by which I measure myself. Remove human measures. Remove religious measures. Remove works of the flesh as standards of measurement. Give us the courage to pick up the Gospels and to see Jesus and measure ourselves against him. To see the kingdom in the scriptures and measure ourselves against that and cause us to say, I repent. I repent. I change the way that I think. My thinking is going to change. My behavior is going to change because my mind is changing. Bring us into confession with you on the things in our life. And let us live this year out of a position of being a son of the king. A citizen of heaven. Not people trying to get in No, no, no. People knowing that they're in. And so, Father, use these words as we end one season, one year, and as we propel ourselves into a next year. That this would be a year. A year. A year of the kingdom in our life. Not a year of church, not a year of this, not a year of things, a year year of seeing the kingdom in all of its fullness. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, the ball didn't drop yet. Stand up and sing a song. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great night. See you next week. See the kingdom. See the king.